Let's go to 1 John this morning. 1 John chapter 3. Last week we talked about the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of Jesus Christ. And we talked about how that blessed hope is not just the rapture and the fact that we get to escape from this world. The blessed hope is that we are going to become like Christ. That we physically, we will no longer have a mortal body, but we will have an immortal body. We'll no longer have sinful flesh, but we will have flesh like Christ. That is something that we are looking forward to. That is our hope. That is our desire. If the Spirit of God dwells in you, there should be something in you that's motivating you and making you want to be better, making you want to be like Christ. And in 1 John chapter 3, we looked at this passage last week, but I want to start out with it this week. It says, in verse 1, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew Him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And every man that hath this hope in Him purifieth himself even as he is pure. So right there, pretty clear statement. One of these days when He appears, at His appearing, we will be like Him. And if we have that hope, okay, that hope that's in us, that if we have that blessed hope, we are going to purify ourselves. Why? Because He's pure. We know we're going to be like Him someday, so today we're going to start trying to be like Him. And so we talked about that last week. Now, I'm not picking on you. I'm not setting you up or anything here, but I want to ask you some questions. You don't have to raise your hand and answer these things. But I do hope you'll take these things serious. Okay? You know, I'm not mean. I could probably get up here and really guilt trip you right now. I'd rather let the Holy Spirit do that. But we did. We talked about working on becoming like Christ now. We believe that day is going to come where He's going to return and we're going to be like Him. We don't want to be ashamed that it's coming. And so, you know, I'm motivated, tried to motivate everybody to start trying to be a little bit more like Christ. And so, just how successful were you in your attempt to be like Christ this week? Did you have a good week? Or were there some good days at least? Some days were better than others? Or did you just get really busy this week and you didn't even get a chance to make an effort? You kind of forgot about it. I mean, I've been there before, okay? I've been the one in the pews listening to the preaching, and literally by lunchtime, I forgot what the message was about. I've been there before. Hey, I've preached messages before, and later that afternoon, I was like, what did I preach about this morning? Okay, I mean, that's how bad it is. We do. We lose focus sometimes. It's very possible that some of y'all, you left here last week, you enjoyed the message, you paid attention, but... Until right now, you hadn't thought about it. Not one bit. You hadn't thought about those Scriptures. I'm not trying to pick on you. I hope the Holy Spirit is a little bit, but I'm not picking on you. But you know what? You know what did you have to do this week that was more important than pleasing God? Because let's just be honest. We don't think about these things. We get sidetracked. But what, what do we have to do that's more important than pleasing God? Think about that. You know What did you accomplish this week by being yourself and not being like Christ? Do you really think your week was better because you were you this week instead of being like Christ? You know, how long did the things that you produced by being yourself and not being like Christ, how long are those things going to last? So like, oh, I got busy. You know, well, we got to work. You know, we got to take care of things. Well, okay, good. You, you worked. You accomplished something. You, you accumulated something. But you know what? How long are those things going to last? 
Oh, I got busy. I worked a little bit of overtime this week. Yeah, you know how fast that money's going to go you made? And over time, it's going to go fast. So, I mean, you know, let's think about our priorities a little bit. You know, if we're all honest, most of us probably didn't have our best week ever being like Christ. And really, what is stopping us from being like Christ right now? What is it that's stopping us? And I think the answer is pretty simple. It, this flesh. Most of us this week, we paid a lot more attention to the flesh than we did the Spirit. I mean, right now, y'all are thinking about the Spirit. You're in church. It's easy to think about the Spirit when you're in church. When we've been singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, when you got a Bible on your lap, when we're reading the Scriptures, I mean, it's pretty easy to be thinking spiritually here. But if we can't take it outside these doors, what good is it really going to do? What are we really going to accomplish? And this flesh, though, it's, it's hard to get our focus off of this flesh. You know, even right now, since you've been at church, I wonder how many in here you've already been distracted maybe by a hunger pain. Your stomach's growling. Stuff like that. Oh, when's he going to get done? What am I, you're, you're thinking, you know, you're not thinking about the message. What am I going to eat this afternoon? Hey, I've been there before. I've been, I've been up here before thinking, when am I going to get done so I can go eat? I'm hungry. I'm hungry. I'm, I'm that way. I wonder how many people in here you've been distracted maybe by a physical pain. You know, you got a headache, your leg hurts, you know, your back hurts. You know, we, we've all, you know, we have those ailments in our body that get us distracted. How, maybe some of you have already been distracted by somebody else. You know, somebody maybe think they're moving too much. You know, there's people too. They come to church and they get they get all aggravated by everybody and how distracting everyone is in church. And you know what? There is a there is a wonderful thing in church. It is one of the most. It's one of the greatest things in church that's never used that eliminates all distraction and it's called a front row. And you all see that front row too? It's always open. I mean, so you know, you can get there, no distractions, nothing to bother you, just a little little side note for you there. But we do we get distracted by we get distracted by things. I have been there before. I you know and then if, if everybody's being good, you know what the devil he does? He sends a big buzzing fly into the room that starts annoying everybody. Yeah, you know how it is. We've We've all been there. We've seen it many times. We had that a couple summers ago where the wasps kept coming into the church. We'd have wasps in all the services, and I was like, and we finally finally got rid of those things. But we've had some of you. Maybe you've had while you're sitting there in the, in, during the message, you'll have a thought from something this past week that's distracted you. You know, we're trying to be you're trying to be spiritual right now, but you'll think about something maybe that your husband or wife said this week, and not, you're you're mad. You're, sit, you're sitting there and you're mad. All of a sudden, you're stewing about something and you're not in the Spirit. This flesh, it is, it's difficult to stay focused and do the right thing. It's not an excuse, but it is difficult. You know, our surroundings many times are what keep, keep us from being like Christ. Think, I mean, think about, you know, how many of y'all this week you saw an advertisement for a restaurant? Now, they're everywhere, aren't they? You got signs, you got billboards, you have TV commercials, yeah, they have the ads in the newspapers. I mean, everywhere you go, you see ads for these things. And you know what? How many of you ate at a restaurant this week? Anybody eat at a restaurant this week? Okay, and you might not know it that, but it was probably you know. Well, I didn't do it because of the commercial, but you probably did. Okay, they put subliminal messages and things in there, and they know the more they get you seeing this, the more they'll get you thinking about that restaurant. Okay, it works. Otherwise, they wouldn't spend millions of dollars doing these things. But you did. You saw advertising for a restaurant, 
and you ate at a restaurant. You know, how many of you you saw maybe you, know, you don't have to raise your hand, but you saw a commercial for a movie, a TV show, or even a news program, and you made a point to watch it. Ooh, I want to see that. Oh, I want to see what this is about. I want to watch that. You saw an advertisement and it got you interested in something. You know, maybe you saw an advertisement for a store. Maybe a, the newspaper had a coupon for you know twenty percent off at J.C. Penney, and so you went to J.C. Penney because of that advertisement. It got you. It got you to do something. You know, how many of you maybe this week you watched or you listened to the news on the radio and you got angry? Okay, all these we have all these things that keep us distracted that get our attention. And yet, we're, I'm here today telling you, you need to start acting like Christ. You need to start being like Christ throughout the week. But there's a lot of distractions. We're too busy thinking about, you know, where are we going to eat? What are we going to go? Where are we going to go shop? What are we going to watch on TV? But, you know, and think about this. How many of you saw an advertisement this week encouraging you to be like Christ? Yeah, I imagine everybody here, you probably saw an advertisement promoting physical fitness. Hey, you need to get back in shape. And, you know, those, you know, commercial for an exercising you know program or something. You, we all see those things all the time. But how many ever see an advertisement telling people you need to be like Christ? Anybody seen a billboard like that in town? Anybody seen an ad in the newspaper for that? A commercial on TV? You know, an ad on the radio? Has anybody seen those things? No, you have not, and therefore you did not think about it one time this week. Most people thought more about McDonald's this week than they did about Jesus Christ. Why? You got signs for it. You got billboards. You got commercials, and it gets you to think about those things. And the truth is, the world is not going to start producing these things. They're not going to start making commercials telling you how to be like Christ. They're not going to make TV programs about it, or they're not going to see ads in the paper for it. It's just not going to happen. But at the same time, there are things out there encouraging you to be like Christ but you're not going to find them in normal places. You have to make an effort, a conscious effort, to go to those things because you have to go to your Bible. This encourages us to be like Christ. But you didn't even see a billboard or commercial this week that told you to open your Bible and read your Bible, did you? You've got to, on purpose, do these things. You've got to, on purpose, to go. you have to go places like church where the focus will be in the Word of God. And you listen, there are... There's things like you can go on the internet and find things encouraging you to be like God. Hey, you know, we live in the 21st century. We got a lot of technology. You know, I don't normally advertise these things, but if you have a smartphone, you you can listen to all the messages that are preached here. You get you can get a sermon.net app and you can listen to all the sermons. If you miss any of them, you can listen. You'll hear some encouraging things there. You know, there you go. There's some stuff, okay? But you have to look for it, don't you? You got to know where it's at. You've got to on purpose go there to find it. And what? But the thing is, you are not going to be naturally inclined to do that because our surroundings don't, you know, get us focused on those things. Our flesh doesn't get us focused on those things. And what you really have to do. If you are going to start being like Christ, you have to, what the Bible refers to as, you're going to have to die to self. And we see references to that in the Bible about dying to self. We're going to look at some of these passages and talk about what that means. If you really do want to be like Christ, you have to die to self. The world, the flesh, and the devil, they are never going to cooperate. Your flesh is never going to cooperate. But becoming like Christ, it's completely up to you. 
So what does it mean to die to self? Well, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I wish we had time to go through all of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, but this is a passage in the Bible where that talks about the rapture. We're not even going to get into that part of the chapter, but look what it says. We'll start reading in verse 25. It says, For he must reign, talking about Christ, till he hath put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. For he hath put all things under his feet, but when he saith all things are put under him, it is manifest that he is accepted, which did put all things under him. And when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. Else what shall they do which are baptized for the dead, if the dead rise not at all? And why are they baptized for the dead? Now that's a confusing passage of Scripture right there, isn't it? Baptized for the dead? So what does that mean? Does that mean the Mormons are right? The Mormons, they will sometimes get baptized in the name of one of their ancestors. That's why they're so big into ancestries. They'll try to find out who all their ancestors are and they will get baptized for them. So, is that appropriate based on 1 Corinthians 15? No, that's not what it's talking about. You can't get baptized for somebody else. But what this is talking about, baptism doesn't always mean, we've talked about this before, it doesn't always mean getting dunked in the tank. Okay? Baptism, it means to be covered by. Okay? It means to be immersed in. And you can be baptized, sometimes you can be baptized in sorrows. You can be baptized in tribulation. You can be you can just be surrounded by these things. And here it talks about being baptized for the dead. And if you look, if we read the next verses, I think it's where we can get an idea of what he's talking about. He says in verse 30, And why stand we in jeopardy every hour? I protest by your rejoicing which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I die daily. If after the manner of men I have fought with the beasts at Ephesus, what advantage is it me if the dead rise not? Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. When he talks about being baptized for the dead, he was talking about people who literally they live life full of sorrow and pain and suffering, that they literally are just dead to the things of this world. They are dead to the flesh. And he was saying, if the dead rise not, then what good is it living that life of pain and sorrow? Why do we stand in jeopardy every hour? Why do I, you know, he's saying, why have I dealt with all the things that I've dealt with if the dead rise not? And he go on, he goes on and he teaches in here how and it's taught in the Bible that there are people who suffered great things in the Bible so they could have a better resurrection. A better resurrection. And then he goes on and he talks about the different bodies, the different celestial bodies. Now some stars shine brighter than other stars. And he's talking about in heaven in the heaven after the resurrection. Some people are going to shine brighter than others because there are going to be some people who did more for Christ than others. There are going to be some people who they live for the flesh, others who they live for themselves. Or they live they live for God. They were dead to the things of this world. And what, and we need to learn to live for the next life instead of this life. You know why we didn't try being like Christ today? We see that Jesus Christ, He suffered a great deal in His life, didn't He? All those who lived like Christ suffered. John the Baptist, he got mistaken for Jesus Christ. People thought he was the Christ. Guess how John the Baptist died, or lived, or ended? He got killed. Just like Jesus. 
They killed Jesus too. People thought Jesus was John the Baptist. Nobody was ever more like Jesus than John the Baptist and he suffered greatly. He got thrown in prison. He got his head cut off. Jesus Christ was crucified. Jesus' disciples, all of them except for one, were put to death according to history. I mean, they lived difficult lives. But Paul said, you know, he's saying in here, if the dead rise not, what good is that? But he said, I he said, I die daily. Paul rejected the things of this flesh, you know, the good things of this life, because he wanted to live for God. He wanted to be like Christ. He had such a strong desire to be like Christ. That was why he said, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? He hated that he still had this flesh that still was inclined to sin. He didn't want to be like that. He wanted to be like Christ. But most people today, we don't think about that one bit. We are so focused on how can I please my flesh? How can I satisfy the lust of my flesh? How can I accumulate things for me that we forget all about being like Christ? And we need to live for the next life instead of this life. Worrying about the things of this earth. You know, we gotta worry about these things. You know, we gotta eat. We gotta have places to live. We have to have clothing. Well, Matthew chapter six, verse thirty and verse thirty-three, or through thirty-three, we're not going to take time to read all of it. But it says, "Take no thought for the morrow." You know, don't worry about what you shall eat or drink or what you shall put on. After all these things, do the Gentiles seek? Okay, Gentiles worry about those things. Sometimes Gentiles and heathen are used. You know, in the same way, you know, heathens, lost people, they worry about what they're going to eat, what they're going to drink. They worry about what they're going to wear. They worry about the things of this flesh. Okay, they worry about those things. As believers, we shouldn't be worried about those things. We ought to have faith. You ought to. I mean, do you really think if you start acting more like Christ, God's going to be less likely to take care of your needs? Do you really think that way? I mean, we really show in our day-to-day life who we're really trusting. Well, I can't be like Christ today because this is going to cost me money. And if it costs me money, I'm not going to be able to have some of the things that I need. I've got to take care of my family. So you think you are going to be God's less likely to provide for you if you act more like Christ. That doesn't show a lot of faith if you ask me. Jesus, you know, we need to live a life of faith like Christ. God expects that from us. Turn over to Matthew chapter 8 and verse 24. It says, we look, we talked about this passage last week, I believe it was. And it says, Behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves, but he was asleep, and the disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And he saith unto them, Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. Do you really think that Jesus didn't want the disciples being scared when they were in a deadly storm? No. I think He expected them to have faith. He really expected that from them. We do. I had a guy one time, he was... He just kept saying, you know, God understands why I do this. You know, God understands. And he kept making all these excuses for himself and saying how God understands. God understands. God is okay with my sin. No, listen, God is never okay with your sin. And Jesus Christ, He is never okay with your lack of faith. He expected them to have faith. They were in a deadly storm. Surely they're allowed to be a little bit scared. No, Jesus said, O ye of little faith. And he rebuked the wind. See, he didn't expect him to be scared. Luke chapter 9, verse 38. 
Or go to Matthew, Matthew chapter 14 first. Let's go to Matthew chapter 14, verse 25. Matthew 14. Just as Jesus did amazing things, He expects us to be able to do amazing things. Verse 25 says, And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw Him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. Okay? Now, most of us in here, if we saw a ghost or thought we saw a ghost, we'd get scared, wouldn't we? Most of you, you would probably scream. Okay? And think about it. There was no recording of anyone ever walking on the water before this happened. And here comes someone walking on the water. I can see why they thought it was a ghost. Hey, I understand. <laughs> I understand lack of faith. I understand people's excuses sometimes. But they did. They cry out for fear, thinking it's a spirit. And then, but straightway, Jesus said unto them, Be, good, be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. And you all know the story. He saw the winds and everything and he got scared and he began to sink. And he cried out for the Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus stretched forth His hand, caught him, and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Jesus expected him to be able to walk on the water, didn't He? Now listen, if it was me, if I'm Peter, I've been like, hey... I still walked on the water. Hey, where's the, the other disciples? They didn't even get out of the boat. You know, Lord, you, you got to give me some kind of you know promotion here. You know, they're always arguing about who's going to be the greatest. I'll bet Peter brought that up. Hey, at least I walked on the water for a little bit. <laughs> you know, he probably brought that up. But notice Jesus' disappointment in him. He expected him to have faith. We see Jesus. He didn't struggle with faith. We're supposed to be like him. We're supposed to have faith. He, Jesus, did amazing things. He expects us to do amazing things. Many people, they're afraid, though, I believe, of finding out what God's will is for their life. They're afraid God's will won't line up with their will. If you go to Luke chapter 9 and verse 38, we have the story of the man who brought his son to Jesus' disciples and they were not able to cast the devil out of him. And so finally, he comes to Jesus and Jesus was able to cast him out. And then in verse forty, um, or verse forty-one, or yeah, verse forty, he says, "And I besought thy disciples to cast him out, and they could not." Verse forty-one. And Jesus answered and said, "O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you and suffer you? Bring thy son hither." Now, what do you all think you would do if you saw a kid that was like foaming at the mouth, throwing himself in the water, jumping in the fire? I mean, have you ever seen a kid that just completely lose it? It looked like they were demon-possessed. I've seen some kids before that I thought were demon-possessed. And you know what? It kind of freaked me out a little bit. I was at a place, a house one time with my dad visiting a lady. And man, we invited her to come to church. And she, she's like, I don't think I'm going to be able to make it. I don't think I'm going to be able to make it. And she like walks over to her couch and sits down. She puts her hands in her face. And she started screaming. And I'm telling you right then... I, I, it scared me so bad, I almost just passed out right there. And my dad's like, that's okay, you know, you, you know, if you can't make it, you can't make it. And she's just like, and she kind of looks up, she's like, I'm sorry for that outburst. Dad's like, that's okay, you know, if you can't make it, we understand. And so we're just like, wanting to get, I wanted to run out of there, but I thought, that's going to look really bad if there's a lady in the house screaming and, you know, we go running out of the house. And so, you know, we went walking out trying to act natural and we closed the door and she screamed again. 
And man, and I just wanted to run so bad. And then we got to our car. We were parked. We were parked a little ways from our house. And when just when we were about to get in the car again, we get, she came outside and screamed again. And I just wanted to run. I don't know what was going on. I don't know if it was some medication she was on or what. But a part of me is like, you know what? I wonder if we should have maybe cast the devil out of her. <laughs> but I don't think I had enough faith. I just wanted to run, you know. And I could. And if I saw somebody, you know, wallowing on the ground, somebody wanted to throw themselves in the fire and things like that, I'd be pretty spooked too. But Jesus said, "Oh, faithless and perverse generation." You know, how long am I going to be with you? He expected them to have faith, but then, then notice what he says here in verse forty-two, or, uh, in, or jump to verse forty-four. Verse forty-four it says, "Let these sayings sink down into your ears, for the Son of Man shall be delivered into the hands of men." But they understood not the saying, and it was hid from them that they perceived it not. And they feared to ask Him of that saying. Jesus has just revealed to them, hey, I'm going to be delivered in the hands of sinful men. I'm going to be killed. And notice how the disciples, many times Jesus would you know, he'd speak parables, He would tell them something prophetic, and later the disciples would ask Jesus, hey, what were you talking about there? But what Jesus had said there, it troubled them. I don't like the sound of that. And so they, wouldn't, they didn't ask Jesus what He was talking about. They didn't, they didn't want to hear about that. And you know what I'm afraid people do sometimes? Whenever it comes to God's will for their life, He's already started revealing it to you in your heart and you're afraid to ask Him what it is because you don't want to know. You're afraid that what God has for you might be something that goes against your flesh. What God has for you might go against the desires of your heart. It might go against the plans that you have for your life. And so many people, I'd just rather not know. I'm not going to ask. I'm not going to try to be like Christ. I'm not, going to, I don't, I'm not interested in getting in the will of God. It may take me away from where I want to go. I'm wanting to get to this place. This is my will for my life. And many times, becoming like Christ, it's going to lead us places that is not our will to go. It was not, it would clearly, even later, when Jesus made it crystal clear, I'm going to die, Peter took him and began to rebuke him. Why? That was not their will. They did not want Jesus to go on the cross. When the soldiers came and they took Jesus, Peter, he took a swing with a sword, tried to cut a head off of one of the soldiers and got his ear. Jesus took him, told, hey, put your sword away. This is this is this is my will, but it was not the will of the disciples. Peter got angry. He followed Jesus afar off for a little while, but he ended up denying him three times. Why? Jesus' will was not his will. It wasn't what he wanted. And many times we are so caught up in our own will and our own lives that we don't even care. We don't want to know. We would rather not know what God's will is for our life because we've got our own will. We've got our own plans. We're afraid God's will is not going to line up with our own will. And we have to learn, like Paul said, I die daily. This is not about my plans for my life. This is about what does God want from me. That's the way Jesus Christ lived. That is the way that we ought to live a life like Christ where we're just dead to the things of this world. They don't affect us. They don't distract us. We don't think about these things. We are too focused on the cause of Christ. And you say, that's asking an awful lot. You're expecting an awful lot. 
Well, I don't think I'm expecting any more than Jesus Christ did. He expected Peter to be able to walk on the water. He expected them to be able to cast devils out of kids that are going crazy. He expected them to do amazing things. And I believe He expects us to be trying to be like Him and to die to self. We need, and so, you know, we do. We, it's easy for us to make excuses, and we can all get together and we can make excuses with each other, and we're all going to understand. You know why? Because we're all made of the same flesh. All of us are in an unglorified state. So, you know, how can we have faith like Christ in an unglorified body? How can we do that? And I believe there's ways it can be done. Look at Galatians chapter two, verse nineteen. Now, this might seem like it's going off subject for a minute, but I'm going to show you this, I believe, is key to helping us be like Christ. It says in Galatians chapter 2, verse 19, For I, through the law, am dead to the law, that I might live unto God. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. What you need to do is you need to learn to trust in His works, not your own works. Do you know why it is? Okay, what he said, or what he says here in Galatians chapter two, talking about being dead to the law. You know, most people today, if you ask them, you know, if you're going to heaven, they are going to base it off their keeping of the law. Well, I'm a good person. I've never killed anybody. I go to church. You know, I've been baptized. They'll talk about all these things that they do. But Paul said we need to be dead to the law. He said, I'm, I'm dead to the law. So what is he saying? Is he saying that the laws of God don't matter? That the things that the Bible says to do, they don't matter? He's not paying attention to any of those things? No, what he's saying is we need to trust in His works, not our own works. Say it's like so we don't need to worry about our works. Is that what you're saying? No, I'm saying we trust in His works, not our own. Do you know why we make excuses for ourselves and we make excuses for our flesh? Is because we know that it's impossible for us to keep the law of God. We know that when it comes to obeying everything in the Scriptures, that we all fall short. We've all messed up. We've all got there's all laws that we have broken. Okay, and so it's easy to say, well, I, I gave up. It's kind of like when you have a New Year's resolution. Okay, most of us, we fail at New Year's resolution before noon on January 1st, don't we? Alright, you, you went and you, you, know, you, you drank the soda, you, you ate the candy bar, whatever. And so then what do you do? You give up for the rest of the year, don't you? Because who cares? I already, I already blew it. Okay? But here's the thing, when it comes to salvation, when it comes to being like Christ, when it comes to all those things, it's not about our works, it's about the work of Jesus Christ. He paid for our sins. He conquered sin for us. We are not basing our salvation off our works, it's off the work of Jesus Christ. And if He conquered sin, if we live a life through Him, we can be victorious over sin too. See, the problem is we're, we are... When we talk about or when we give up, it's because we are focused on our flesh, and we know our flesh is weak. But if we would get focused on Jesus Christ and the work of Christ, there is no excuse for sin. And you say, you know, you know, how do we do this? It's it's kind of the same way. Sports fans, have you ever known a sports fan? 
you know, there's this guy, maybe he's maybe he's a big Bears fan. And you know, the you know, hey, did you see the Bears game yesterday? Yeah, we won. Wait, what do you mean we? Were you playing in the game? Were you Well no, but you know, what are they doing? They are they are glorying in the works that someone else did, aren't they? They're glorying in them. You'll they'll and that's what we do with Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ conquered sin. Hey, I'm in him, he is in me. We can be victorious over sin. Okay, we can we can we can conquer these things. We don't have to sin. We can be like Christ. Not because of us, but because of him. And we you know it's the same thing with the sports, you know, with when it comes to a sports fan too, they usually wear the uniform or the colors of that team, don't they? They do whatever they can to associate themselves. If you're a Cubs fan, and you go to a Cubs and Cardinals game, you won't even wear a red shirt, will you? Because you don't, even if it doesn't have a Cardinals logo on it, you do not want to be mistaken for a Cardinals fan when you're at a Cubs game. Amen, Darshan? Right? <laughs> you don't, you don't want that. You, you're gonna, if you don't have any Cubs clothes, you're gonna wear blue to make sure you're associated with that. And as Christians, okay, we understand that Jesus Christ gets all the credit for anything good. He was the one that was victorious, but thank God we can be on His team. We are, we're glorying in His work and what He does, and so we will do things that associate with Jesus Christ. We'll act like Christians. We'll try to look like Christians. I mean, we will try to do all the things that God said to do, but we understand those things aren't getting us into heaven. We're doing those things because we just want to be like Christ. We want to be we want to be like Him. Our righteousness is based on what Jesus did and not what, not what we have done. And so becoming dead to the law, when we do that, I'm not worried about the law. That, those, the Old Testament laws, they, those things can't get me thrown into hell. I can't go to hell even if, even if I wanted to, I couldn't go to hell. Why? Because I'm saved. I'm kept by the power of God. I'm sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. And so when you become dead to those things, you're able to live under Christ. Many people today, the reason they're failing is they do. They think it's all about them and how many of the rules I can follow. And if you do that, you're just going to keep falling flat on your face every time. You just need to start trusting in Jesus Christ. And I wish we had time to go into some examples of those Old Testament laws that the Bible, the New Testament teaches how those things were fulfilled by Jesus Christ and we obey those things through Jesus Christ. And we don't have time to go into those, but some just many great examples. But many people who are Christians, they're not victorious. They're not having victory because they think whether or not they go to heaven, it's based on what they do or what they don't do. But when you realize salvation is by grace through faith in Jesus Christ and His work on the cross, you realize that now you are free to live a life of faith and you do not have to be a slave to the flesh anymore. There is no excuse. So you've got to die to the law. You can be like Christ. You don't have to sin, worry, fear. You don't have to do those things. And so then finally what you need to do, you need to start getting interested in the things that Jesus Christ is interested in. Look at Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. We looked at this passage last week. But look what it says. Uh, we'll start reading in verse 4. Or, um, I'm in the wrong chapter. 
Alright, we'll start reading verse 1. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ who is our life shall appear, then shall we also appear with Him in glory. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh upon the children of disobedience. We see here that we have to set our affections. We have to make put our desires on the things that are above. The things that are in heaven. Not the earthly things. The reason most people aren't going to be like Christ is they're going after earthly things. They're going after the money. They're going after the things of this world. Maybe they're going after the popularity, the fame. Maybe they're going after the desires of the flesh. Maybe they are adulterous or fornicators and they're so focused on the sins of this flesh, the last thing they're going to do is think about Jesus Christ. The last thing they're going to do is set their affection on the things above. But understand, when Jesus Christ was on earth, He was only interested in the things above. He did miracles... And I've said this over and over again, the miracles that Jesus did was not so He could you know, get rid of people's physical problems, so He could feed them. It was to, so they could understand the spiritual things and get the heavenly gifts so they could receive eternal life that would last forever. The people that got fed, the 5,000 the 5, that got fed, they were hungry the next day, looking for food again the next day. And Jesus, He hid Himself from them. Why? Because they weren't believing His words. Him feeding them wasn't doing them any good until they believed. They needed to get saved. They needed to believe him. That's what would have made. That's what would have made the difference. That and we got to see that those are the things that Jesus Christ is interested in. People getting saved. People living good lives. People laying up treasures in heaven, not on the earth. Those are the things that he was focused on, and we need to be focused on those things. That's got to be our mindset. And it says in that passage, for ye are dead. What? What's that talking about? Being dead, you know? No, we're dead means you're dead to the things of this world. While that kind of, the things of this world, while the money, the fame, the, you know, all the things of this world, while it gets attention of everybody else, it doesn't get our attention. Okay, just like all of us in here, if all of a sudden, you know, you know, last week you could kind of smell the food in church, didn't you? You know, and it got your attention. You smell that food and you're thinking, I want that. Okay? I mean, you've been there before in the house and maybe your wife's cooking bacon or something, and that smell goes through the house, and boy, it'll get you out of bed, won't it? Because you'll want that. But you know, a dead person, they're not affected by that. You know, at most funerals, you can eat during the funeral. And the dead person isn't interested in getting involved in it. Why? They're completely oblivious to the things that get our attention. And there's a lot of things that get the world's attention that the devil uses all the time, but if we would die to the flesh, we wouldn't even notice those things. It wouldn't matter what our situation is. It wouldn't matter what the rest of the world's doing. Who cares what everybody else is doing? I'm dead to that. I'm dead to fitting in like most people in the world want to do. I could care less about that. Who cares what's going on in the world? The Bible says in the world you shall have tribulation. Be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. 
He said, in me, Jesus, ye have peace. I can still be at peace while the rest of the world is fretting, while the rest of the world's in despair. I can be dead to those things and I can still have the joy of the Lord as my strength. The Apostle Paul was able to sit in prison and have the joy of the Lord. He was able to say, rejoice in the Lord. Always. Why? Because he was dead to the things of this world. And we need to start finding the interest in the things that interest Jesus. We need to start doing the things that Jesus did. You know, we've got to mortify our members like it says there in verse 5. We've got to get interested in His Word. We've got to get involved in His work. Galatians 5.24 says, "...and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit." Most Christians today are failing because they're walking in the flesh. They're not do- they're they have allowed the things that distract everyone else in the world to distract them. And we've got to learn to just be dead to those things. While the whole world's excited and people are just clamoring to watch the next big superhero movie. I'm going to church. You know, while the world all goes nuts and it's like a big holiday, you know, whenever there's a football game going on. I'm going to church. I don't care. I don't care if you like football a little bit, but you know what? We need to be dead. We need to be dead to those things. We shouldn't let them get us away from God. We need. We need to stay focused. We have no excuse for not being like Christ. We have liberty. The Bible teaches we have liberty, which means you have the choice of being like Christ or not being like Christ. The world they don't have liberty. The world can't be like Christ if they're not saved. But you and I, we can be like Christ or we can be like the world. We have liberty. We have a choice. And if you're saved, there is definitely a part of you that wants to be like Christ, and that is the Spirit. Okay, But there's another part of you that wants to be like the world, and that's the flesh. And that's got to die. You've got to die to that. Like the Apostle Paul said, I die daily. The reason most most of you all today, I'm not picking on you, okay, but many of you, by tomorrow, you'll forget all about this. You're thinking about it now, but you'll forget all about it and you'll go right back to living a life in the flesh. Why? Because you're going to forget to die to the flesh in the morning. You've got to stay focused. You've got to do this every day. I die daily, Paul said. Die to this flesh. And so with that, let's all stand together.